You're listening to the Ikra Book Festival 2020, brought to you by The Ark, Radio Ramadan 365, Al Khair, Human Relief Foundation, and Allison Street Cleaners. Allison Street Cleaners, is your laundry piling up? Are you too tired or busy to get it done? Come to Allison Street Cleaners, a fast and friendly laundrette. Services include dry cleaning, ironing, shirt service, and you can now also hire the rug doctor, making sure all your cleaning needs are fulfilled. Presenting you with an exclusive Ramadan special to Radio Ramadan listeners. £2 off every £10 spent until the 15th of June. Don't miss out. Visit us at 110 Allison Street, Glasgow, g 428 N or call 0141-423-3958 Alison Street Cleaners Clean water isn't a luxury It's the moral right of everyone Yet 785 million people live without it And the consequences are dramatic With diseases from dirty water Killing more people each year Than all forms of violence Including war It's why Human Relief Foundation bring clean water into the heart of communities. But they need your support to do more. Visit hrf.org.uk We believe that every child deserves a good education. This is the best way to ensure that they can achieve their full potential and escape a life of poverty for themselves and their families. All that these children want is a chance to learn and fulfill their dreams. With your donations, Al Khair Foundation helps thousands of children gain a quality education. Please support us so that we can continue to help some of the poorest children across the world. To learn more, please visit our Glasgow branch at 441A Victoria Road, Glasgow, G428RW or call on 0141-423-5747 or visit our website at alkhair.org. We have uh, Sheikh Abdul Aziz, and he will be discussing um, his work on the sacred path of love. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Abdul Aziz. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam. Alhamdulillah. Well. And um, we have Daud Duncan, and um, just a little bit of a bio on Daud um, before they start the session. So Daud Duncan is um, a teacher of religious, moral, and philosophical. Uh, studies at Oban High School. Um, Daud founded um, and presented the Embrace radio show um, that was um, aired on Glasgow's Radio Ramadan at the Ark with Sophie Hall, um, who is his wife. Um, and it was about focusing on the sh- um, sharing the positive and also the challenging stories that Muslim con- converts face. And um, Alhamdulillah, recently he performed last year at the 2020 a Sufi festival, a first of its kind in the UK, I think, um, blending traditional music, Scottish music, um, song and storytelling with the work of Jalaluddin Rumi, okay? Uh, I had the pleasure of actually hearing you perform in person um, twice, so um, I hope, welcome, and um, I'll pass um, the session to you now. 
Alhamdulillah, um, uh, just want to say a massive thank you as well to the sponsors. I've uh, obviously um, you know, made this possible. And of course, the amazing uh, level of hard work and commitment from every team uh, in so many organisations as well. Um, and a particular uh, mention to Alison Street Cleaners as well, who've kindly uh, sponsored the, this thing as well. Well, um, and I was um, so excited to be asked to be involved in the book festival for a whole host of reasons. And when I saw that um, Sheikh Abdulaziz was here, I got I got a little uh, jitter of excitement because I am a bit of a fanboy, to be totally honest. Um, as I'm sure it makes them awfully awkward, but I can't help it. Um, Alhamdulillah, um, Sheikh is, uh, is is a teacher um, in many many aspects of his life. Um, professionally um islamically um and you know just i think you know most of us who've met the sheikh will definitely say that you know every we meet in alhamdulillah as much as we love it um can often uh, impart a little with it as well so mashallah may allah uh, preserve him the straight path i mean and um and uh, uh let us benefit from him for so much longer i mean well um alhamdulillah uh, the I hadn't actually heard of the, the book that was uh, to be discussed today. Um, however, it was an absolute delight to find out more about Saut Elahi and the um, Sacred Path of Love, um, this martial amazing um, initiative. Um, it was a delight to read the talk. Um, it was beautiful, in fact, because I feel lucky to have experienced um, the, the hikmah, the, the teaching, the learning that Sheikh has received um, and passes on so well. Um, it felt so nice to see that written in book form so that, inshallah, many more people can benefit from. So I'm just going to ask Sheikh, um, uh, how are you getting on today? Are you okay? Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Alhamdulillah, I'm well. It's an honour to be here. It's, it's uh, great to see you and Maria and everybody else that's involved in the team. Jazakumullah khair. Thanks very much. Alhamdulillah. Do you have a reading um, that you could share with us from the book? I will try and take through a few snippets from different parts to try and give a flavour of what the project was rather than what my contribution was, if that's okay. So, um, Sacred Path of Love is an Islamic spirituality and personal development retreat by Sot Ilahi in Singapore. This year, the Sacred Path of Love celebrates the 10th anniversary of guidance, inspiration, and empowerment of individuals from all walks of life through being the platform for Islamic spirituality, psychology, and traditional Islamic sciences. And one of the things that makes it so, so special and unique, and why I wish, uh, one, I hope one day, Daoud will join me out there, is because it really helps break down barriers. And, and one of the barriers is described by a, a young lady coming into, into an event. And I'm sure a lot of people making that step that over the threshold from where they are to some kind of Muslim, Islamic, cultural things is a really difficult step. And she describes that, how she comes to a Sotilai event, a sacred path event. I remember how grueling it was entering Masjid Sultan for the fourth installment of the Sacred Path of Love in 2013. It was my first time attending an Islamic event and I wasn't aware of Adab of joining such an event, etiquette. Was I wearing the wrong clothes? Would I stick out in the crowd like a sore thumb? Too many questions buzzing in my mind and too little time before the event starts to make those decisions. I did eventually enter the gates of Masjid Sultan until today 
I am ever grateful for making that most difficult decision to meet the scholars. And I think that's quite symbolic of how a lot of people are on that threshold, just waiting to make that step, but there's things blocking them. And every one of us has experienced that, but have, have, have gone through that you know, step into Radio Ramadan or that step into the mosque or that step into the circle. At the event, I realized I was just like any other attendee. It was obvious that the crowd was a diverse one, various nationalities and races. And later on during the question and answer section, I grew to learn that there were non-Muslims present as well. Back then I had this judgment that everyone who attended Islamic events was of a certain level of piety. And that, that their piety would be displayed on the clothes they wore. And that's really very, powerful statement a lot of us look around and think we need to dress in a particular way and a lot of judgments in the Muslim circles are around clothes and she kind of summed up that feeling of, of, of coming in and being so self-conscious but when I looked around everyone was just like me there were acquaintances I'd recognized who played in bands from the local music scene present as well that made me a tease the diversity of the crowd the sight of the crowd echoes a phrase I saw on Soti Lai's promotion for the event, come as you are. In fact, a lot of the people came because they thought it was a, a, a lecture about one of Nirvana's songs. And anyone that knows the Nirvana, come as you are, that's, that's what it was all about. And so this book is, it's about the sacred path of love, but it's, it's grounded in its experience and about in, in, in our own feelings. And it's spiritual. And, and one of the other volunteers writes, he, he also comments, Sufism is what makes Soti Lai and the Sacred Path of Love retreat unique. It shapes the way the retreat is conceived from the themes that are chosen to the titles of the speeches. Sufism gives birth to the fertile soil that grounds Soti Lai and its uncompromising commitment to ensure authenticity this no, to this noble tradition. It begins and ends with the purification of the self and the knowledge of the self. For example, in 2010, the theme of the, the retreat was finding God in times of tribulation. This is shortly before COVID hit us. So it's really, when, when they talk about spirituality, it's not about sitting in a cave, um, chanting litanies. It's about getting out there and being with people. And that, that person, that uh, Kismet, who, who walked over the, the boundaries, the, crossed the, the threshold, she came into a into a into a, an audience, some of whom were practicing their religion for long a long time, and others who literally came because they thought it was about a rock song. And the reason why was because most of the people who come from that street background, they were musicians, they were rockers, and they found that they needed to look for something else but keep their identity. And that's what makes the the, the book so interesting for me. Um, I've been, been invited out there a few times to give talks. And on this particular occasion that they're referring to, um, I'll just read my introduction was, my immediate thoughts when asked to talk about the topic, unshackling the chains of the past. So I've given this title, was to relate it to childhood trauma. In planning for this talk, I reflected on my own life and the lives of those around me, especially those I support in my professional and personal capacity. As a Muslim, I draw on the Quran and the prophet, prophetic guidance of Muhammad وسلم, known as the Sunnah, transmitted to us and commented upon by the scholars, the guides and sages of Islam. As a professional, I try to relate this guidance to my work in a pressurized, modern, Western society, which places massive demands and stresses on its members. This reflection was a journey, and I hope to share with you today, in, I intend the discussion 
to be interactive and discursive. And I'm not really sure, I'll be totally honest with you, whether my contribution actually works because it was an interactive workshop. Um, and what I tried to do was give, an, give a brief introduction to what trauma is and then gave some examples of what might be described as trauma. And then I gave the, the audience, so to speak, opportunity to discuss what they thought. Did, was it trauma or not, according to the definition? And then we talked through how we might be able to work through some of those things. And then, um, obviously, relating it back to the Quran and the Sunnah, uh, but trying to ground it in, in practical um, practical examples, the four examples that were given. And then, um, um, eventually, bringing it around to, 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 to taking some, some steps forward on how we might deal with, with our own minor traumas and our major traumas on how we can unshackle the past, we can move, move from the past into the future. And that's kind of the theme of, of my particular talk. Uh, and I think I, I'll leave it there and, and hopefully hand it over to, to Daryl to see if uh, he wants to interrogate you a bit further on what that actually means, inshallah. Well, alhamdulillah, yes, perhaps I do. I'm glad that we focused because, mashallah, um, you know what, I'll be honest, Sheikh, when I first uh, read the, the transcript and you said it was an interactive um, session, you know, I, I did start to think, you know, how well will this translate to the page? But um, I think for, for a couple of reasons, um, it really worked. Um, I think actually just on a certain level, as you you know, heard from the introduction, as, as you know, Sheikh, I'm a teacher myself, you know, I think that... Um, uh, you know, pedagogy, uh, you know, the, the science, the art of teaching is a thing in itself. And I think that it's it's really good for us to have, you know, Sheikh and others to have examples of different teaching methods, which may well uh, work in different contexts. Um, but, um, I, you know, really, mashallah, I felt it, it really helped because um, ultimately the, 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 the examples of trauma that you used were so provocative, um, you know, because ultimately you you sort of talked about the definition between major and minor trauma. You know, for some people, um, you, you know, you talk about uh, you know a sort of even undetailed um, uh, experience of abuse in a, a camp uh, in a refugee camp, and then you go to to someone else. You know, maybe you had to deal with them the next day or maybe in the same day, where someone was having real problems with their 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 mother-in-law, and I say real problems. You know, emphatically, as we kind of explain in detail in the talk, um, they were saying their mother was too nice, um, and uh, that was their trauma that they were experiencing. They were getting invited over too much; it was becoming a burden. Um, well, I think that um, th there's so many sort of kind of questions came up around the topic of trauma, um, and I think I'll come to them later. But um, I just want to—I kind of wanted to maybe start with a more general top uh, general question which was really just about books and about the book festival itself and really the place of books in muslims lives today um you know what do you think um we should be doing uh with books um ourselves as muslims in 2020 that's a really good question and, and uh, i can remember receiving a call over in festival park from nadine to say look i've got this idea about a book festival and i was really excited because um, I've been involved in perhaps three, fest three uh, international book festivals. Last year, the Bradford Book Festival, which was, was, was absolutely fantastic. Um, at the Edinburgh Festival about 10 years ago, and, and one in Singapore. Uh, and each one of them was, was very, very special because it gave me on a personal level an opportunity to, to explore books. And the, the Edinburgh Book Festival was uh, part of the wider book festival. But my element was to talk about Braille and how 
how braille production is vital for 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 access um, and then interface that with the Muslim community and that was that was more than 10 years ago now braille has got a, a has moved on and there's a whole different agenda likewise the, the Bradford festival was before all this COVID situation and it was great to just be talking about books and be handling you know people touching the books it feels very different it's only a year since since that since, since I was at that festival it's a very very different world we're living in um, we're talking about books to people all over the world over over the zoom and I think books the role of books in our lives are going to change has changed and it has changed over this last year I think and the fact that we're talking in this different where it goes in the future I I personally feel there will always be value in touching a book um, I, I had a visitor uh, an American lady who, who came to talk she had some questions about interestingly about uh, the, 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 the daughter the, the, the wife of, of the prophet Abraham said Ibrahim said that in a and she came from a, a, a Christian background, from uh, a Mormon background, actually, and and had this burning question for years. She was married to a, a, a bishop. She had this burning question for years. And we talked, we talked and we talked and we talked. At the end of it, she said, can I have a Quran? And I, gave, I showed her mine. I said, I would love to give you this particular one, uh, but it has a special meaning to me but I promise you I'll get one tomorrow through Amazon. And she says, no, 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 I will get it. I will get one and I'll give you two extra in return. And that process of just handing this book or touching this book was really very spiritual. And I think books will always have that. But at the same time, we can't deny that we've moved on from carrying massive books in our rucksack. I don't, when I walk, I go up to the cafe, and my books are all on my laptop. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm walking, I'll listen to them, my books. They were new, they're new methods, they're new ways of sharing things. I'm talking about a book which many people might not even read, but at least hopefully over Zoom, we've got a flavor. So we need to embrace all of these different types of technology. But in the end, I always feel that books will have a role within the Muslim community. And I believe that we will always need to have events like this Hopefully next year we might be actually touching books as well and talking to people and exchanging and hugging and, and, and showing love around books. So that's my personal view. Um, thank you so much, Sheikh. Well, alhamdulillah, we've, we've kind of had a question here from Nadim as well. And um, it's, you know, just mirrors my own, which is, you know, the, the topic of the, the, the talk in the book uh, is about, um, you know, moving on from trauma. And alhamdulillah, you know, the, the you know, there's excellent advice, um, uh, practical advice, spiritual advice, and so on um, of, of how to move on. Um, you know, when it comes to trauma and the examples that you talk about, they are extreme, you know, and they're frank. Um, they're talking about the reality that, you know, Muslims do experience abuses, um, you know, um, you know the, the piety that, that we have to aim for isn't met always. And in fact, the hypocrisy that can be involved 
can be you know sort of traumatic in so many different levels. And Hamdalina, you, you sketch out a fantastic um, path of of moving on and inshallah, you know, um, uh, gaining a stronger relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Um, but you know, the question kind of comes. Uh, Moving off from trauma, um, you know, is it something, especially for those as you talk about major traumas, um, that that people can ever escape? Is that is that a realistic goal to completely escape a trauma? Personally, I don't believe you escape trauma. I think you learn to deal with it. Um, and uh, I can see that the, the, the question actually can 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 I give an example of moving on from trauma? Um, probably the best example that that I will always always be very proud to have been contributed to was a young girl who um, had been basically she'd been a sex slave as a child during the Congolese war she she then trans she then moved to refugee camp in Zaire and was one of the most vulnerable and, and um, most one of vulnerable um, young refugees and through the scheme known at that time as the Gateway Scheme, came to came to Scotland, and I was responsible for within North Lanarkshire Council, uh, which was the main council in Scotland for for dealing with this particular group. We took that group uh, of students, that, that, and my responsibility was the young young people. So my first thing was to go to people's houses and just sit with them and talk with them and play with the kids, and, and my main thing was about playing with kids. So I came to this house, knocked on the door. Uh, fortunately, I. I uh, Swahili is one of the languages that I'd studied. So I spoke to a family in Swahili, uh, spoke to this lovely young lady. She she welcomed me in and I then did some games with all these kids. And I had, a, before going in, I had all of the details from the UN of all these people I was coming to see. There was one missing. So I started asking some of the adults, where's so-and-so? Says, oh, they mean the lady that opened the door. And of course, this 20-something lady that opened the door wasn't a 20-something lady. She was actually a 10-year-old, 11-year-old girl. And then I realized what I was actually facing in dealing with some of these. So we, we sat, how we, how we, I mean, and then to see her a year later, a year, two years later, thriving in a secondary school, speaking English with a strong Scottish accent and perfect English, reading so well, full of life, full of, and talking about becoming a doctor. This was for me, probably one of the high, highlights of my career. How did she get from that point? I, my, uh, one of the things I, I don't touch on in this book, but one of the things I would recommend is that people who are interested in, in developing people, so to speak, through education, through anything, look at the nurture principles. One of the nurture principles is you 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 start developmentally. The nurture has to be developmental. And and I know that Nadim had asked Islamic methodology. There's a concept within Islam called terbiyah. Terbiyah means to grow, to make something grow. Uh, and terbiyah is a, the process of looking after plants. So when I say I'm a, a murabbi, I am a murabbi, I could mean I'm a gardener, or it could mean I'm a primary school teacher or a care worker or something like that. So nurture means to let something grow. And you need to develop the child through their, their, through a, developmentally, through a process. And then what I did with this young, young girl was that I started to work with her on a one-to-one -one basis. And I started to go through all of, this, all of the experiences that I would have done with a five-year-old. 
and then a six-year-old. And we played with toys, we played with dolls, we played with, and then we moved on to other kinds of games. And after a year, we'd moved to the, the kind of things that an 11-year-old girl were, would be doing. But she'd actually got all of the experiences within what I would have expected her to have had if she'd gone to school at five. So by the time I'd finished within the year, I, I felt that I'd, I'd given her the kind of experience she, she required. It wasn't only me, I had a team of people working, but there was all, an art therapist who just went every single week, she just drew. And I, 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 I observed what was going on. I, I didn't contribute because I just, I just loved to see her drawing and talking. You could see that with, within that year, she did start to, ex, to move on from where she was. And two years later, to look at her and just see, after one year, she was, she was 10 moving to 11. And when she got to 11, I says, please, could I just keep her for one more year in the primary school? And uh, I'm lucky I could make those decisions because I have two hats on. So representing the authority, I told the school, you can have permission to, to keep her an extra year. So I got this opportunity to have two years with her in P7. And so when she got to secondary school, Alhamdulillah, she she really had moved moved forward, and it was it's so you can, it can you need to it takes time, it takes effort, it takes patience, it takes planning, it takes gardening, it takes nurturing, it takes choosing the right time, the right thing, and it needs the right people. It needs a team of people to help grow, people grow into out of their trauma and into a healthier life. Um, and it can happen. That's that's one of the exact examples. Mashallah, Sheikh. Thanks so much. Um, you know, so profound. And when you talk about um, needing other people, this is one of the kind of essential um, elements of reaching a maqam. You know, a sort of a, a certain station of being that's um, perhaps indicative of who you are. Um, you know, you talk about co-reflection as being essential to this. Um, I wonder for us at the moment, and you know, this situation. Let's not be about the bush. Um, it's traumatic. I sometimes think it maybe we don't appreciate just how traumatic it is for for every single one of us. Um, but what would you say if you know um, good co-reflection would mean in Scotland and perhaps in the COVID situation at the moment uh, on our traumas? I think it's really. I think people have really underestimated how this has impacted on people's mental health. There are people that are coping, but I think it's affected them. And there are people that are not coping. And they're the basically two categories. I don't think anybody can say, yeah, I'm coming out of this absolutely fine. If they are, I'd be actually quite worried. And I'm one of those people. Uh, six months ago, I say, yeah, it's great. I love this situation. I've got time with my family. I've got this and I've got that. That's not true. I was just masking what was really happening to me as a, as a human being uh, in terms of not having real social interaction. Walking down the street, and I, I just remember at the beginning of the, the lockdown, I was going for my exercise and some guy just ran out of a, out of a shop and hugged me. I'm thinking, first of all, who are you? Uh, and do you not know that you're not supposed to? Then after, I'm so sorry, Shay. I'm thinking, I, I, I get, I get what's happening here and I want to hug you back and then the natural thing is to hug you back but I can't and you really freaked me out man um, just it really freaked me out and it wouldn't have done any other time because you know, it happened sure happens to you though people just come up and hug you all the time uh, or they come up and say oh Mr Duncan you know 
it's it's really given us a different kind of way of dealing with things. So so, what does co-reflection the question mean? What does it mean? What are what's meant by co-reflection? So in the book, I try to talk about reflection, how you actually the process of reflection within an Islamic concept. But then I spoke specifically about actually when you're dealing with trauma, reflection might not be enough because you can't just go. I gave the example of going off and specifically I mentioned Blaine Co. Just going there and just feeling the wind, feeling the wind blowing in your face and, and smelling Glencoe. Glencoe's got something special about Glencoe and feeling the history and the water that's always in the air. That's, that's just mind blowing, but it's not enough to deal with trauma on its own. Sometimes, so we talked about reflection, but co-reflection sometimes means sharing that with somebody else. Uh, and I gave some examples. And so in some ways, co-reflection means just talking about that experience that I had. And I could see on Dale's face, he's, he may not have had that exact experience, but he's had that feeling of wanting to hug somebody and not having been able to, or being hugged and thinking, you know, that's not supposed to be, you're not supposed to do that. And having to do, or having family. And, and so that ability to talk about things is really very, very important. So co-reflection means talking between people about things that really matter to them inside them that's that's what i and the way is is to just find people and i think i would i really feel sorry not sorry um appreciate the challenges that that, that counselors are having now trying to deal with people online because i, I think i think co-reflection is is the only way forward co-reflection in a situation which itself is traumatic is difficult um, and I've been doing trying with one of the last projects I've been working on is, is trying to set up some online classrooms for college uh, and when I actually met students face to face this is in England where the regulations are slightly different I'd meet them and say well I ain't doing that I, I can't learn online I need to be here in the classroom with you and I can I can understand what what's going on but I know also that any day now there might be a lockdown or they may have to self-isolate and if I don't get them online I've lost them and some of these again are vulnerable people who if we've lost them now we may lose them forever um, so embracing this technology in this in this is really 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 complex we've got to do the best we can and we just got to try and find our way through it um, and just try and be there for people it's just the advice I would give just be there for people, talk, listen, be patient. Inshallah. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, meeting again face to face, inshallah. Okay. Um, I mean, now, um, I, I suppose it's a kind of a, a kind of a final question and perhaps um, kind of tying up things uh, to the beginning and, you know, like uh, looking at what Satellite is and what it does. Um, you know, you talk about example of, you know, if someone um, is interested in Islam uh, and you said you would take them to Glencoe and um, uh, looking around, if they turn around and say, do you know, that's just, it's just a wee accident, you know, and you feel that maybe the journey is, uh, you know, is over. Uh, however, if they just begin realising that this is um, special and, and here for a reason and so on, then inshallah, the, the beginning of the Islamic creed, uh, the creed is here. Um, uh, so, um, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, thinking about that event, uh, 
you know, that story you're talking about bringing people to Ginkgo. Uh, I often think with Islam that it's amazing, alhamdulillah, and I think I'm so lucky, you know. Um, I think in saying that, you know, I'm reading a lot, you know, at the end of the day, to be a Muslim, you know, it's, it's, it's to also take part in difficulty, um, to take a difficult position in society at times and so on. But ultimately, alhamdulillah, you know, the gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lifestyle that we've been given are so beneficial that... I feel nowadays, I want to share that with people, you know, that I like and that I love. Um, and even, you know, take what you want. Do you know what I mean? Kind of like, um, you know, take as, as much um, as, as, as is beneficial to you. And I think that this idea of the South Allahi events, you know, was, you know, I just want to find out so much more about them. Um, you know, it really strikes me as uh, hitting that note right, which is, you know, come along and, uh, you know, you're a non-Muslim you're interested in the music of Islam, come and come along and see that, you know, you're interested in, uh, you know, the architecture, the arts, um, the, the philosophy, just come, just come as you are and, and come on. Uh, um, the, the, the nearest event that I've seen to that in Glasgow um, was in fact the 2019 Sufi festival um, when, you know, ultimately there was just um, a celebration of, you know, the beauty um, of what we as human beings can create and what we can appreciate and so on as well. Um, I would just wonder, you know, um, what would you say to, you know, our sort of like our, our, our leaders out there? And when I say leaders, I mean, you know, people, uh, go-getters go who, like Nadim and, um, and sisters and brothers who have set up this event. What kind of events, um, a bit like the Akura Book Festival, would you say that would be good to take, uh, would be good to happen, inshallah, that could just let Muslims and non-Muslims come together and benefit from Islam? Right, now it's my turn to embarrass you, Daoud. Um, um, the... I actually, I was given, I was asked to give a talk in Norway uh, to a largely non-Muslim audience called Islam in Europe. And there were some of the leading fascist anti-Muslim people attended. And they were quite worried about giving um, uh, the security that day. And uh, the little guy that you just saw, Idris, passing by. Fortunately, he was he was with me. Uh, I'm his kind of main carer. So he was sitting there on my lap, which kind of threw the fascists off. I just didn't expect any man to be. But one of the, the two examples that I gave was actually you, now Duncan, and Mo Salah. <laughs> I came to Islam in Europe. And the examples that I gave about you uh, uh, were the days when, when you had your store back in, in Glasgow, uh, the Dower store and how you actually gave um, brownies. Uh, I know you're back there in Oban, and you used you, but your, your brownies are famous internationally now, because I remember people coming up to the, to the, to this and asking you tough questions. And you saying, I haven't got an answer to that one, but take a brownie. Uh, uh, and then those people that had those tough questions were then had the opportunity to come and talk and in, in that case they'd come to me you'd say well why don't you come along on a wednesday and and chat with with a guy in the mosque what really required what what's really really important and the reason why i gave that example was because the power of what was what that was in that exchange was not because you were particularly clever or because you were particularly um islamic or particular the event was was, was, was great it was because there was a relationship there was a love there was a care there was there was interaction between two human beings and that's what we lack when we organize events we don't think of the human element in and this challenge that we've got well we've not got a human element we've got a screen in front of us actually we learn a lot because now we have to focus on other things 
But when this is over, hopefully, Nadim and Mary and everyone else that's been involved in this, hopefully the focus will not be on the content, but on the interaction between people. And there'll be these opportunities for people really to share experiences, to interact as human beings uh, and not to hear lectures. Because I think the time of lectures has gone. I don't think that's what's going to really engage people is not what's going to explain Islam. We need to have events where people can interact. There needs to be knowledge there, but it has to be about interaction. And the, 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 the brownies that you are so much so famous for are really what this dawah, this call is about. It's about interaction. And if we can get those kind of events, we really will do, we really will start to do well. Um, cake sales, um, book festivals, music events, um, chats about depression, uh, drop-in centres, uh, bike maintenance, um, I don't know, painting sessions, bakery sessions. These are all the sort of things that we must focus on, inshallah. Inshallah. Sheikh, um, I want to, to thank you personally and I want to thank you on behalf of all of the people uh, that are involved in the book festival today um, for your uh, contribution and inshallah, um, you know, I would definitely advise the book um, Sacred Path of Love um, available from Saud Elahi. Um, also, uh, another book of yours which I definitely advise is uh, Living with Blindness um, and in fact, you know, maybe it's just the depends on the person but i think if someone's interested in islam that living in blindness counts as a, a really good introduction to sort of the visceral reality and uh, spiritual reality of being a muslim in in a the world that we live in um so sheikh may allah preserve you inshallah and uh, help us to uh, carry out the you know the advice that you've given and inshallah accept uh, everything today as well Thank you very much. Um, that we had one more, one question from uh, one of the members of the audience. I, I, I wanted to um, answer it, but um, are there Braille Qurans available? Yeah, there are, there are uh, Braille Qurans. There's a number of uh, Braille Qurans available. Um, uh, perhaps perhaps that person, if they, if they want, they could maybe contact me uh, and I'll, I'll try and put them in touch with I don't have any, I don't have any, um, copies left anymore I but I used to I used to have a, a supply are they easily available internationally yeah, for our they are they are yeah. okay. there's slight differences between the 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 Qurans that are made in different places so right. if the person is looking well if, if they if they're good with braille they shouldn't have a problem with anything but my yeah. my experience is that those that come back from Pakistan are actually the best all right uh, um, they're the simplest and they're, and, and they're very well, very well made. And they're also produced usually by people who are blind and, and it's a very good, a good industry, so to speak, to support blind people. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm quite a little bit biased on that, but that's my view. Okay. Jazakallah.